Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone, or should I say yellow? everyone. Welcome to the Tesh Talks podcast. Uh, on today's episode, it's kind of a little bit less of a focus on property. Actually, no, it's a, it's a lot less of a focus on property. We are talking about how to start and grow and maintain and actually then monetize your Instagram account. Now, you may not want to monetize it. You may just want to use it to find investors. You may just want to use it to be part of the community. There's so many reasons you might do it, but we are talking about the biggest mistakes that people, especially property investors, make on Instagram, how to grow it. Um, and Ina's reels are great. So go follow her and look at her reels. They're funny, they're entertaining, and they do what they're supposed to. Generally, her content is really good. She's a great example of someone who uses social media effectively, you know, and it is monetized. So if you're struggling with Instagram, you don't know where to start, you don't know what to do, you're not seeing the results algorithm this algorithm that then you know you need to speak to you know so come and listen to this podcast on another note please leave a review for the podcast i am the uk's most reviewed property podcast so leave a review on uh, itunes the podcast app or on the facebook page on another note did you know i have two books yes i have written two books okay the second one is a compilation but i've written some of it and i've managed it but I have two books that are published on Amazon. Just type in Ted Talks Property. They're 15 quid each. If you're new to property, listen, I'm not just saying it because they're my books, but these are essential reading. And if you don't spend 15 quid, something's, something's wrong with you. Go look at the reviews. So yeah, listen to this podcast. Uh, come to my networking event. Me and James Soto have started the property event. The, 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 the property event. Professional sound effects are not included. So come along. We do it every month, the second Thursday of every month in Clerkenwell in London. It has been incredible so far. So we look forward to seeing you at the next one. Ina, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I think this has been a long time coming, uh, especially since you've become like super active on social media because when we first met or e-met this was i don't know how long ago maybe over a year but you weren't very active on social media i think you were doing property stuff then um i feel like you were just starting out so it's it's actually quite incredible and obviously people are going to go and follow you on social media after this discussion you know, links in the show notes but it's amazing to see like how much your personal brand has transformed since then and looks super professional like i love seeing your stuff because it it's like another level above what most people do and to you it's probably straightforward and simple and kind of what you need to do but it definitely looks very different so we are going to talk about personal brand we are going to talk about property and, and you know online businesses versus not ones and the mistakes people make and actually coaching and consulting which is something you do and also you know this sort of um the reputation that uh, coaching and kind of training has and loads of other bits. But before we get into that, you know, before you started kind of property and, you know, property for your own business and using social media heavily for your own business, what were you doing? 
Yes, that, that is an excellent question, Tej. And I actually think we met, it must have been around two years ago now. Um, wow. And yeah, it actually makes me really happy that you think I've, I think you used the word flourished or blossomed. I can't remember I did, which yeah. one, um, which was very kind because when we met, I don't know if you remember, but I was actually in a little bit of a funk. And I mm. think that's what we kind of bonded over because you, I believe, had also been in one. Um and I remember you being really inspiring and just being like, look, you're going to overcome this. Um, and that's when we met. And yeah, I think like things have changed so much since then. Um, and I do find it hilarious that you just were used the word professional to describe <laughs> me. <laughs> because that's one of the things I'm always going on about is like, you don't have to be professional on social media. I don't think I'm professional. I'm just me. Um so that's great to hear. But where was I before property? Well, so when we met, I had just started on my property journey. I don't know if you remember. Um, I'd already purchased my first buy to let and I wanted to go into property. Like that was going to be my thing. You wanted to be um, a developer. I remember you saying you wanted to do big yes, new builds. Correct. Um, I just feel like everyone or most people <laughs> that go into property are like at some point, I'm going to be a developer. Um, and that was me at that time because I was, honestly, I was quite lost um, with where I was going. And I had got my first investment and I saw property as this. I wanted it to be my business. Um, I knew it was going to be a great vehicle for me to do other things in life. But at that point, I was super convinced that this was going to be my business. And when we met, I was actually in the nicest way possible and nobody like I hadn't really done any networking I didn't know anyone in property um and I just started networking like crazy and building my brand on social media and honestly that has been like the biggest catalyst to where I am today um I started working with developers on their content on their copywriting and their social media um and lots of other property companies and in that process decided hey I don't want to be a developer I don't like I just don't want that to be my business just doesn't align with like my ambition and my values not that it's wrong or anything like that it's just not right for me um but it on that journey I found social media and I found online business and content and that's really what's got me to where I am today I'm still very much investing in property and I'll continue to build my portfolio but I'm no longer like I'm going to be a developer mm, yeah I remember when we met we were both it was that little bougie cafe in Paddington really nice little spot actually um and yeah, let's keep it a secret please don't yeah, tell anyone de definitely yeah. i don't remember the name of it but i know it was it was definitely a vibe and it it is interesting you have flourished and i think even as a person to kind of go from there to where you are now and i think a lot of people do stuff whether it's a job a business a relationship whatever it is and they don't like step back and look at it for what it is and realize they don't enjoy it or maybe in your case, not that you don't enjoy it, but it's not your, I love property, I love bricks. Like it's not your sort of like, and some people do and that's fine. But, you know, yeah, realizing that is important, right? Mm, I mean, I call it your zone of genius. And I realize like mm. property isn't my zone of genius. Um, but have you ever had that before where you've just found yourself on a path that you're like, you're like, this isn't it. And then <laughs> yeah. you've pivoted. Yeah, I think recruitment before I was in property was definitely mm. one. I mean, it took 
three years, three and a half, four years for me to realize it. Um, and I think like, like, you know, you and I were talking about this when we went for our, our very nice nature walk um, <laughs> around here, because like you realize what you really, really enjoy, what you kind of enjoy, what you don't and what you hate. And for property, I've, I've kind of had that like you, you know, um, I still, I still love property and I still have some zone of genius in it. I think and I love that phrase, but yeah, I've definitely realized certain things. And uh, I think what I want people listening to kind of hear or take away is like, it's okay not to enjoy something, even if everyone else is, even if it's the best asset class in the world and blah, blah, blah. It's okay to that not be your main thing or to not be as passionate about other people um, like as other people are. So, you know, you know, before we get into social media, because I'm definitely like super keen to talk about that, like what is your property approach or strategy? How are you sort of growing that? So I have just reverted back to my original plan, which is to um, acquire HMOs to build my income. I went or was considering a lot of different strategies along the way. And I kind of wish in hindsight, I just stuck to my original plan, which was replacing my income. I don't really need to do that anymore, but I still want to acquire HMOs and high cash flowing assets for other things in my life. Like for example, I want to fund my parents' retirement and I want to do that via property. Um, So that's very much the goal. Um, I'm also doing my own place at the minute, um, as you know, in Hitchin. Um, So that's an exciting first project to actually like refurbish somewhere that you're living. Um, But going forward, it's not going to be any exciting developments. There may be a commercial to residential conversion in there somewhere um, but that will probably be as adventurous as it gets um, I'm just going to be acquiring vanilla bitolets and HMOs from now on I love it vanilla is one of the best flavors you know it's un- underrated so definitely yes you love it I love I love Italian <laughs> yeah so uh, obviously you're doing your own home up you're kind of doing this property stuff I suppose on the side in a sense um, a lot of people when they are buying property, whether they're starting out or whether they're kind of, you know, maintaining and continually buying properties. A lot of us kind of jump to, well, I'll raise investor finance, I'll get a JV, I'll get a bridge, et cetera, to kind of fund it. Now you have a sort of idea or I suppose something you actually put into practice, which is, you know, using your trading business, which I suppose that's something maybe we could talk about what that even is, um, to actually invest into property. So how does that work with you? And, and is there some advice you'd give people listening maybe? Oh, yes. I definitely have advice on this because I was that person. So when I started investing in property, my first um, investment, I was in a job. So that was relatively easy. I had the income. Subsequent investments, I was no longer in my job and I hadn't yet started coaching or consulting. So really, I was buying property you know, with other people's money, investor finance and no like secure way to finance that if things went wrong, which they do in property. And I just realized this is literally the most stressful way you can invest in property, I found, especially because the people's um the people that I was working with, they were friends, family, people I knew. Um, and I just said, look, if I want to continue building my portfolio, I've got to have another way to service that debt. If it all goes wrong, if the deal doesn't work out or anything else happens, I just want to rest assured that I can make the numbers work. 
Um, so I just decided, look, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. And that's when I decided that I'd use coaching and consulting. Um, I'd use the profit that I create from that to help my property investing. And that's what I'm doing today. And honestly, a lot of, you know, if you've been to training events and you've heard the whole sales spiel about investing in property, what a lot of those trainers don't tell you is that their training and their education side is that trading business, that cash flow business that is then used for property. Um, And it's just something that kind of gets left out of the picture when you're learning about property because, you know, they're trying to sell you the property investing and not the other side of it. Um, So when that kind of clicked, that's when I realized, actually, this is a really good model. And that's what a lot of people do. Like, as you said, either through flipping property or having some other income source that just kind of cushions everything um, and makes raising finance a lot less stressful. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's a lot of people who have trading businesses already and maybe don't realize that, you know, you can use intercompany loans, you can do the profits from, you know, you can Mm -hmm. use some of that money to buy property or at least, you know, using investor finance when it works is very efficient and, you know, is a great leverage. But like Ina said, having that as a backup in case something goes wrong, not in case when it goes wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it does. And and uh, from experience, having your own cash, you know, even if it's a small amount, like definitely helps and buffers mm-hmm. it and just protects it in case it's like, oh, now I've left in seven grand more than I expected. Well, where's that coming from? So it's good to have that if you don't have a salary, but at the same time, you know, you know, some people's trading businesses could be that they're flipping properties, right? It could still all be in property, right? A hundred percent. But the other reason that I just didn't, I mean, I'm absolutely passionate about what I do now. So I just love it. But I didn't really consider flipping property just because I also realized maybe it was just the way I was doing things, but property is so slow. Like it's just, you know, when you're in the online space, the thing I love about it is like, it's so fast paced. You can, it's kind of all down to you right? It's about you building your audience, you showing up. It's very much, you know what to put in and what you're going to get out of it. And it's quite predictable in that way versus property I found is there's so many factors outside of your control, right? You know, the conveyancing process, you're relying on a lot of people, builders, contractors. It's just the nature of the industry. Um, And that's something I found really frustrating. Um, So I just thought, look, I love online business. That's going to be my cash flowing business. And that's fast paced. It's really fulfilling property. It can tick along. And I just don't want to put that stress on it that I was before because it was my only income stream at the time. And I was just like waiting for a purchase to complete. Um, Now it's just a lot easier mindset wise because I'm not putting that pressure on it. And I'm just letting things take as long as they're going to take. Definitely. And, you know, at what point, or I suppose, how did you then start your trading business in coaching and consulting? Like, where did the idea come from? And how did you know what to coach in? Mm, that's a really good question. So it just like happened and evolved organically. Um, when I was on this path to be a developer on this mission, I thought my easiest and best way to, you know, get experience was to work with developers. And when I started networking, I was like, look, what can I offer 
um, a de- property developer um, for them to be interested in me so that I can, you know, learn the ins and outs of their business. And my strengths were copywriting, sales, social media. And I actually um, realized that a lot of property businesses were really struggling with their online presence and their social media. Um, I don't know if you see this, but I just feel like there's a lot of scope for improvement in the property space. Oh, uh, most people do it absolute shit. Yeah, I'll say what you're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. I was like, I can really help these property people to like actually show their expertise in their content because it's not happening mm-hmm. right now. Um, so that's how it started. I was just um, a freelancer. Actually, I was contracting and um, working for several clients at once, and actually fulfilling on that work. And whilst that was great, um, about a year into doing that, um, I got some results for my clients, but I just wasn't fulfilled. Um, and that was for a couple of reasons. The model that I was operating in was essentially, I was like a, a mini agency because I had um, a VA and we were kind of fulfilling on the work for several clients at once. But I just wasn't having the impact that I wanted to have. And I found that really, really frustrating. I felt like I was an employee um, again, but apart from not having one job, I had like five jobs because I had like several clients Um, and I just wasn't having the impact on their business that I wanted to. And that's because when you're a service provider, you are at the beck and call of your client and they kind of expect the world of you which is fine. But at the same time, you don't have that um, ownership over the strategy. And I found that a lot of the time I was like butting heads um, with the founders of these companies on what we should actually be doing online. And I just thought there's got to be a different model to this. Like I'm, I'm absolutely loving what I'm doing, but the model isn't quite right. And that's when I pivoted to a more consulting basis. And that really changed the game. Um, because I had full ownership um, over the strategy. I would teach the strategy to my clients and then the onus was on them to implement it. Um, And that was just a great business model. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're working like you were there, because from like previous experience in marketing and, and recruiting marketers, it is, it can be really frustrating for you as a creative and as someone who knows, well, actually, if I do it my way or this way, we're going to get 5x what you're looking at now. We're going to have this. But certain employers, especially maybe the more old school ones, aka most property developers, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, any, even engineering firms, mechanic. I mean, I'm, you know, I met a mechanic today who's like, like an absolute legend in his niche and he's mm. well known and stuff, but he didn't even have a Google listing. So I couldn't even find him on a freaking map. And I was like, dude, <clears throat> like you, like you can fix engines that other people can't. Like you're the guy, but nobody knows you're the guy. Nobody trusts you're the guy. And I was like, fucking let me set it up for you. I literally was, I'll do it for free. Like it's so irritating <laughs> um, like to see this. So I get what you mean. And I know it can be kind of stifling um, and doing it yourself is a lot. I don't know. I think it's a lot more rewarding. So, you know, of course, property, especially, and I'm maybe trading and other stuff, has a bad reputation for kind of the, you know, the training industry, the coaching consulting industry. Oh, they're fake. They're this. They took my money. They don't know what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Lawsuits, all this stuff. 
you're kind of obviously coming at it from a different angle, you know, being the kind of social media element. Did you, did, did that kind of cross your mind? So did you have any internal battles about that? And did you have any external battles with other people thinking you were a scammer and things like that? Did I have any internal battles? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like all of our challenges are internal, honestly. Like the majority of the problems and challenges we have are because of ourselves. But yeah, so this is a big thing I struggled with. Like I started consulting quite a while ago and it took me about a year to actually come. I feel like I've come out of the closet with this. Like it took me about a year to actually update my Instagram bio and things like that, because I just did not want to be labeled as a coach, consultant, melt, uh, mentor, trainer, anything like that. Um, and I realized it's all because of property and because of my previous experience, not that I've had, you know, like a shocker, it's just, we all know the state of play of things in the property training industry. And I realized that I just had this view of it um, that I didn't agree with. And yeah, it took a lot of internal work and me really like actually looking at the results my first few clients got, like my first five clients that I worked with on a consulting basis between them, they raised over half a million um, pounds on Instagram between five of them, which is just crazy. Um, And I was just really looking at the wins my clients had and the positive impact I was having. And I was like, okay, look, this can be used for as a force for good. How do I kind of grapple with the negative, like the negative um, view Mm -hmm. of coaching and consulting? And yeah, did a lot of internal work. And actually I realized that a lot of it was just me because I spoke to most people and they were like, we don't have that view. Um, And when I kind of updated my bio and started really talking about what I was doing, less, like barely anyone left my audience, which I was fully expecting. I was expecting, like, it was like this scenario I'd built in my head of like, my audience is just going to leave because they're going to think I'm like a scammer or a weirdo. And if anything, the opposite happened. Like I had more people coming into my audience, like none of my old audience left. And I was just like, this is what we do to ourselves. Um, so it's been a hell of a journey in that respect. And I haven't like, do you think a similar thing happens in the online space? Would you agree? (sighs) A similar thing in your internal battle or in the kind of general perception? Well, in your perception, what do you think? Like, Yes, I think, you know, what? for me, I think it can be summarized by saying anything that has a low barrier to entry. So deal sources, most of y'all are shit. That's that's what it is. Personal Mm -hmm. trainers. Oh, my God. Most are shit. I've seen them basically injuring people. I'm like, you know, recruitment consultants. I've been one. I can say it. Most are shit. Estate Mm -hmm. agent. Anything that has a low barrier to entry is always going to have more builders. It's going to have more people that aren't good just by the very nature of it so how difficult is it to go on instagram buy yourself ten thousand followers buy yourself some likes um put pictures up on a you know walk in london see a lamborghini picture in front of it do that five or six times and then start saying yeah i'm a wealth coach that is piss easy and can be done in a week and Mm. society i'm also going to blame society here (laughs) shallow believe anything they see online 
they're going to fall for it. And then the circle continues. Oh, whose ethical moral responsibility is it? You know, that's how I kind of see it. It's like everyone's kind of to blame. It's like chicken and egg. Um, but it's so easy to do, right? So that's why, you know, say you're setting up your coaching business, there'll be someone else doing the same thing as you, but obviously they don't know what they're doing and they're fake and all this stuff. And they'll potentially get more business because mm. of society liking the fact they've got all these fake followers. So I think it's a bit of a mess, but does that make sense? That makes total sense. Like I fully agree with everything you've just said. And I've kind of thought about all those different points at one point or another. Um, yeah. One thing that I did actually realize is this is okay. Firstly, I think we are slowly moving away from this whole, like, let's just take a picture of a Lambo and say I'm a wealth coach type thing. I do actually think people are starting to see through that on social media now. And like, they just want someone who's real and isn't going to like throw wealth in their face and is just like grounded. Um, But also I realize like I have so many amazing coaches and mentors that I truly admire. I've done their programs and I can hands down say that they are like life changing and they really care about their work. And I realized if I feel this way about my um, mentors in this space, then there's a hundred percent an opportunity because there's so much scamminess. <laughs> there's a hundred percent an opportunity for those that do it right. Um, and that's what I truly believe now. It's like, if I just do the right thing and I run my business in an ethical way and I'm just me and I lead with that authenticity then I'm I'm going to attract people. And you say, um, you know, it's all society and we're like chasing the kind of get rich quick thing. Well, what I found is if you, it was one of my coaches actually said, if you tell a broke story, you attract broke clients. Mm. And it's so true. If you're talking about how quickly you made 50K in three days, you're going to attract people that want to make 50K in three days and they expect those results. So I think a lot of it is also how you position yourself. And I think like, if you're talking about how much money you've made, nothing wrong with that. But if you're using that as the main like selling point and main value proposition of what you do, you're really only going to attract people that care about that. So in a nutshell, I think I'm slowly coming to terms with how coaching and consulting can be good in the online space. And that's what I'm committed to doing. Um, I imagine there'll always be people that think it's a big scam like I used to, um, but they're not my people. So, yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, if anyone who's listening is thinking of starting a sort of consulting or training or mentoring business, one of the most common sort of, uh, questions that you see these people, when I say these people, I mean like haters or people who don't really get it raise. And there is validity to this point as there often is is that, oi, you've only done two buy-to-lets. You know, how are you charging £10,000 a minute to, you know, mentor and stuff? How, you know, you you, ain't, you know, you haven't even done a, a gas certificate yet because it ain't even been a year. And then, you know, it kind of puts people off. And then, you know, I, I mean, okay, my example, that was quite dramatic. But, like, <laughs> in, in that example, I'd agree with them and say, well, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, for you, like, your advice for people listening, like, is there a sort of moral or ethical or correct point that someone should start then teaching others? Is there a minimum experience level in property or or in their field? 
I don't know if that, I mean, I was about to say I wish there was, but I don't even know if that's practical. I don't know if that's actually an achievable thing. Um, I think it's all down to the person that's doing it and your own (laughs) ethics and your own moral compass. When I work with clients that are feeling imposter syndrome and really struggling to even charge for their expertise, I always say you need to be one step ahead of someone else to help them, right? Because that's from personal experience. Like when I started property, I didn't want to be taught by someone who had built their portfolio pre like financial crash because like that's different. I wanted someone who'd done it in the past couple of years, like, you know, who'd literally just gone through that process and they can, for me, they can give me more insight, like tactical insight and tactical advice. Um, on how to buy property. So it's the same, like it's looking at your expertise and not trying, never trying to teach something that is completely outside, like that you've never done and that you don't know anything about, right? And that you haven't got results in or you haven't got your clients results in. It's That's where the shadiness and the imposter syndrome comes from is when you're trying to teach people stuff that you really have no idea about. Um, as to when you're ready to teach people, as I said, it's different from most people, but at the end of the day, if you aren't getting your clients results and you are just taking their money, then sooner or later, that's going to come around. Like, you know, it's a small space, especially property. People are going to find out and you're just not going to build a sustainable business. So that's just not my approach. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think for me, it's exactly what you said. If I'm going to do any educa- further education in property, it's going to be with someone who's done it in the past few years. So they're not going to have 10, 15 years experience unless they're still doing it now and they've adapted and changed. And, you know, you said there about it's up to people's own sort of moral compass. I think it certainly is. But what I feel is when I'm mentoring people or educating them, I want I need to be able to answer, in, at least for me anyway, 99% of their questions. Mm-hmm before I would coach. So if I'd, if I'd done one buy to let, I ain't coaching anyone. You know, I started after 15 kind of buy to lets and flips. That was just my, me being like, well, actually, if they ask me a question, unless it's a very specific legal accounting, whatever, even then I can answer some of them. I wouldn't do it. But I know there's some people who who would start with less. Um, now, when it comes to having an online business, I think earlier you were saying like property is so slow and... It is. Every single element is so slow. I'm glad you agree. Oh, God. It's a fact. (laughs) I mean, if anyone disagrees, then it's just a fact. Test Um, your patience, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely build your patience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, Then when it comes to running an online business, why do you prefer or do you prefer having an online business? Mm, I just find it a lot more dynamic um, and as I said, it moves faster. I mean, you know better than anyone really about building an audience, right? When you build an audience, like things can explode and there's not, it's, there's not that factor in property. What I found was I was looking at ways I could grow property, right? And I was thinking, raise investor finance and acquire X number of deals a year. And it was like, I couldn't see not that it's about fast growth, but I just couldn't see that like growing as having the impact that I wanted to have. 
Whereas online business, you are building an audience and you are actually impacting people, whether that's through your free content, whether that's through your paid programs, there's different levels for people to kind of slot in at according to what support they need and how much they want from you. And I just find that a lot more fulfilling and it excites me about what you can do when you have that online presence. Because when I just even just started building my brand on Instagram, the amount of opportunities I got was just as like astounding just within property. So when you have like an actually big audience, I mean, you, you tell me like you must've had some amazing opportunities come your way from this very podcast. I think, yeah. I mean, apart from the, the core opportunity, which is like getting interview awesome people like this and actually learn. And cause I know mm. I've, I've sent you messages about social media and all sorts of like, you know, social media stuff before um, having those kind of relationships you know, before or after the podcast is, is, is something that, I mean, yeah, look, the whole property portfolio, every single purchase, the one I'm doing now, the one I'm selling, I've put, you know, no money in apart from the first deal. So to build a million pound plus, you know, of assets with none of your own money. And Mental. Not, Hats yeah. off to you. Do we I, should I, celebrate you. you. You know, take your little um, gangster bucket hat off, are you? <laughs> <laughs> People who don't know what I'm talking about, you can go follow you know, and you can see this um, 50 cent slash festival type hat that you know likes to wear. Which um, one? I have several. Which I, one are you referring to? Just the one that makes you look like a proper, um, yeah, proper road gap. Proper G. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, doing stuff like that, you know what, like until I say it and hear you say like that, you don't really think and until... And people listening, right? You'll hear, and we're going to talk about like how to be really, how to be good on social media. And obviously, Ina shares lots of tips about that. Most people are going to hear us, Ina, and not do anything on social media, which is fine. But until social media gets someone the money, the deal, whatever it is, because I've had half my deals from it, and you do like, for example, a BRR, and you pull out like most of your money or all of it, and you pay your investor back, and you just sit there and think, wait a freaking minute. Mm. I put nothing into this. I left nothing in it. And now, and you're just sitting there in the corner, rocking back and forth. Like, what the hell? This is magic. Yeah. Until that moment, you know, people are, in my opinion, people are not like going to realize how, how powerful social media is. And, you know, your clients raising half a mil, like for anyone listening, you even raising a hundred grand to buy a deal, just think what that would do for you. Because when, when Ina shares all the tips that she's going to you're going to think it's hard work and you're going to think, oh my God, this is like a full-time job. And and it can be, but when you see the results, I think that makes a big difference. And do you find that as well? That like a lot of people love to listen to you and hear these tips and, oh, what's the latest algorithm, but they don't do shit about it. Um, I don't actually know because I just, I kind of avoid people like that. Like <laughs> I, I, the thing I love about what I do is like, I work with like really aligned clients and it's always like, I'm never selling this, the concept of social media to someone because mm. by the time they come to me, they're already sold and they're like, I want to do it to the best of my ability. Um, and I've actually just found it like butting heads whenever I have tried to preach about social media to property people, because as you well know, we're so property is just so ingrained in net, like networking, which is great. Like I love networking. I just see social media as like the modern version of networking. Like I just see it as like a non-negotiable if you want to 
be in property. And it's just a, a more efficient and a better way of networking. Like you're reaching people at scale with your content. You're still able to develop those relationships. You can still meet those people and network with them, but it's just not relying on like going to these networking events to create that um that network for yourself. So yeah, what was your question, Tej? Sorry. <laughs> just went off but on you've answered it. You've answered it because <laughs> like I suppose that is the power of your brand and any brand is that mm. people are not going to come to you. Like you know, someone who doesn't ever work out in their life is not really going to go on Gymshark and buy a Gymshark t-shirt because it doesn't make any sense. Like it, it doesn't even, like they wouldn't even be in that funnel. They wouldn't, it wouldn't even make sense. So people who come to you are the people you want to do business with. And, and do you find that like, maybe you've kind of answered this, but do you find that your brand and any brand whilst it attracts the right people, it also puts off the wrong people? Oh, yes. That's one of the great things about it. <laughs> you don't have to, no, honestly, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit like of a mind fuck <laughs> when you start off on social media because you try to, and this is actually going to segue into kind of some some tips about how to smash social media, but you have to come to terms with the fact that like you're going to repel people and that's good. Like you, you create your audience and people that don't align with your values and that find you really annoying, they're just going to leave. And that's a good thing because it makes space for people that are aligned with your values and that want to work with you and yeah, that, that kind of agree with you. Um, but it is, it's quite a mindset thing because we're so used to just like pleasing everybody, but actually that's one of the worst things you can do on social media is like, try to please everybody because your content ends up being this like watered down version, which just makes it really like, I always use this term with my clients. I'm like, it makes it really meh. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. It's just meh. Like people scroll past it because you're just not being yourself and you're just trying to like please everyone. Um, So yeah, that's one of the hardest things. But once you come, once you realize like, what's the worst that could happen when someone unfollows you like so what it's a yeah. good thing um yeah it opens up so many doors and so before we get into the tips uh, and maybe take people on a journey of kind of starting their social media or at least improving it um you're saying about networking yeah a hundred percent you know you don't have to have a podcast you don't have to have this but having a decent social media platform which, whichever one that is and actually we'll talk about the different platforms like you know, you're, um, you had a real, I can't remember what you were doing in it, uh, something funny or silly probably, and it blew up. Classic me, eh? Classic you. <laughs> How many thousands of views did that one have? Um, one had like over 50,000, which was just crazy. Um, but that was a big learning, right? Because I, was, I, was, I did a reel on property, which was great because I got an influx of new people that were like waiting for me to release something property related and I was just like I don't sell anything to do with property um so it's all learnings right but yeah I mean the reels are fun but I think you know obviously that's not an average number that's a kind of one that kind of went viral but if we use it as an example of networking so where did you make this reel you were at home at my desk where I always am did you have any expensive props hell no actually wait no, that one didn't have a bucket hat on it. 
So no, so, not even so, a bucket hat. So, so not the Gucci bucket hat. Um, no way, I lie. <laughs> I my I the mortgage broker, the like mortgage broker personality in my reel had a bucket hat on. So investment wise, at a minimum, a bucket hat is what that real required Uh, other hat types are available uh (laughs) and did you use some sexy canon 500 pound slr video camera oh my gosh no i mean look i've just started youtube and i'm i've got a camera but i'm still filming on my phone you don't need a camera i disagree (laughs) i disagree with you on that and we'll talk about yes we'll we'll talk about hardware though because i'm i'm like very like on hardware but we'll talk about that so okay my point of everything I've said here is it cost you basically zilch. You recorded it on your camera phone, which everyone has a decent, everyone spends a grand on an iPhone every year. So everyone has access to every single thing you had. And 50,000 people, I think you said, saw this. Now, look, they're going to be, oh, well, 50,000 saw it, but only 25,000 watched it. Listen, <laughs> let's just, let's just look at general big statistics here, listeners. Um, for 50,000 people to see it, and you're frankly sitting on your ass making a video to summarize what you did, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it, creative, you know, but that's what you did. Now, how on earth are you going to get 50,000 people seeing you and your stuff by going networking? Now, obviously, I've launched a networking event, so everyone needs to come networking, um, but you're not. It's going to take you, well, it's, impo- it's not happening, right? It's going to take years and years and years. And even then, to be up in front of that many people, somehow you need a brand. So that's one example for me. But obviously your reels otherwise get thousands or hundreds. These are still numbers that you're not achieving the traditional way. Yes, there's there's many pros to kind of physical networking, but you're not achieving that. So, mm. And Tej, can I just quickly just mm-hmm. add, like you, you touched upon numbers, which is great. And I fully agree with everything um, you just said. And the other thing though is the depth of connection because mm. networking is, is great, but you're talking to people for like 10 minutes at a time. And then obviously you develop that relationship by seeing them again, going for coffee, etc. But what I was finding was that I was meeting people at networking and they were like, oh, you're the reels girl. I was like, what? And they were like, oh yeah, you know, this piece of content where you spoke about this and, you know, it really like, it really hit hard. And I was like, wow, these people, like, this is the power of building a brand. Like I literally was nobody when I used to come to these events. And now it's like people not only know who you are, but they've also already connected with you. So then when you do have that face-to-face meeting, it's like a lot better and it's a lot more valuable and the connection is deeper because they feel like they already know you um so yeah we're not we're not slagging off networking here because <laughs> we know that it has a place but you're completely right it's like building that brand before you even get to networking that just like explodes things and, and that's you know perfectly summarized one of the big benefits of networking is those touch of um social media is the touch points you know you will sit at your desk and just do what you're doing, document your life like you do with all the random stuff you put on your story, which I love, which we're going to talk about. Um, I wish I had something oh, no. to, to bring up, oh, no. but I don't. Maybe I'll look through the, the archive now. Um, like, <laughs> you know, these touch points are all done basically from you sort of living your life and showing it and posting content and kind of doing what you're doing anyway. But you're building up touch points with people and you don't even know it. You're at touch point six with 100 people right now. and touch point seven is when they're going to buy from you but that touch point could come 
in a year, could come in three months, could come in five. Some of these people, you may know they're on touch point six, some you don't, but that's the beauty of it. It's like you talk, so you and I are talking into these microphones one time, but it's going to reach 4,000 plus unique people in a hundred different countries. How, you know, and then they'll follow you and then they'll five, six, they'll just keep seeing different things and, and of you and it builds up a relationship with you. So on that note, as we kind of move in towards the, the tips and maybe tricks or life hacks, as Americans love, for social media, talk to me about authenticity. Because so for people starting out, you know, on social media for their property brand or personal property brand, who should they be Them, themselves or someone cooler than them? Or what do you think? Um, a bucket wearing cool person obviously (laughs) bucket hat wearing um no that's a really good question and actually it's just reminded me of um i mean i i believe a lot of the people listening to this might already know um danny inman who's like Mm -hmm. a big big g in property (laughs) um on social media and he posted something i think it was a couple of nights ago that really i've been trying to kind of um word this for a long time Um, and he kind of perfectly summarized it in this post where he was saying a lot of people will you know how they'll say social media is negative and it's bad and it's bad for my mental health and I just don't agree with it and it takes too long Um, I've got a business to run I'm just not going to do it and his post was basically saying look social media isn't bad how you use it is right? How you choose Mm -hmm. to use it. It, Debt isn't bad. It's how you manage it. And I think that really summarized it. It's like, yes, of course, social media has negative effects. And one of them is people, you know, this portrayal of a perfect life and people thinking that they need to be someone they're not. I actually think that's one of the negative um, effects of social media, but that does not mean that that's how you have to do it. Right. Mm. So, yeah, I think the number one tip is like you don't have to be anyone other than yourself. And it's you being yourself that's going to draw people to you and is going to repel the people that you don't really you wouldn't get on with and you don't want to do business with. And that's fine. Um so yeah, you don't need to like even have this perfect life. And yes, it is difficult like to share the uh, the downs. Um, and my kind of rule of thumb with this is that I will only share a challenge or a setback once I've processed it, right? Because sometimes in the moment it's raw um, and I just feel like, am I just, you know, not talking about the drawbacks? And I realized that actually, like, you don't have to talk about it straight away because when you're in that moment, like the last thing you want to do is tell people <laughs> what's going on. But um, it's like, you can share that after you've kind of overcome it and processed it and you don't have to pretend like everything is great all of the time. The few times, well, more than a few times that I've had like my mini breakdowns on social media, I've had people message me like, I'm so glad you shared this because I've been feeling the same way. Or I thought that you were this like, you know, unattainable kind of person. I was like, no, like we're, we're all the same. Um, and it's when you share those vulnerable moments, that's when I think social media is like amazing because you can have that connection with people that like you've not even met before. 
Yeah, like a hundred percent agree with everything you said. That you know those moments, I probably share them when they're very raw. Uh, <laughs> Good, I love it. <laughs> um, but I kind of that's just like therapy for me, really. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think the connection is so strong when the emotion is so strong good or bad mm-hmm. you know so my best posts are when i'm talking about my service accommodation unit because it makes bare money especially in the summer mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> simple as that and i know everyone's just like, oh my god money like 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 great fire emoji but then the, the post where people really connect is when i'm like oh this went wrong that went wrong the pipe's bloody sticking out i broke this or this happened you know so you know, I don't know what it is about humans, but we kind of bond about those kind of down times, I think. And yeah, it makes you more relatable. And so when people are starting out, another thing they get uh, sort of tripped up on is uh, software or hardware slash quality. So oh, there's a no. few things here, right? But people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to put up blurry pictures or I don't want really bad quality or I should have a good mic or a good camera or, you know, like, oh, do I have to be a graphic designer? Like, what are your thoughts on like the sort of quality element of building a brand? Is this a setup? Um, are you setting me up? <laughs> I am throwing you up in the air like a tennis ball and then I'm about to surf. So, no. <laughs> so I'm, in I'm that not. case, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> no, the, the way you've worded it, actually, I do. So you were saying earlier that you do think you need a camera and stuff, right? Yeah. I do actually agree with you because in the sense that you want your content to be good quality. So if you're filming things on your flip phone, if anyone still has one of those or whatever, that's not going to cut it. Like, you know, you want your content to be good quality, i.e. legible, um, easy to digest, shareable, like clear photos. Um, That does not mean that you need to go out and buy like a really expensive camera because again, the joys of today is that you can do everything on your phone. Like, I think I was telling you, I literally, I bought this phone because I didn't want to buy my camera and I knew I could do everything on my phone. So if you have like a relatively decent phone, you don't need to invest in like all this equipment unless you really like want to. But if you're starting out, if your phone's decent, then you can do a hell of a lot with that. And with Canva, which is completely free, um, like you can go and buy some templates for your social media and literally just make a few tweaks on Canva and create amazing content. Yeah, Canva is epic. Use it for everything, everything. professional yeah. <laughs> all the way down to just whatever. Like it is just, and it, it gets better and better. And I, I mean, I pay for it because it, it background becomes, remover. Yeah, and all that stuff. <laughs> I love. I would pay them just to. I would donate like that's me cheapest person ever. I just love Canva. Like, so I would like, I just love Canva. Um, oh, so- do you, um, you should listen to how I built this. Um, oh, with NPR. The f- yes. With, I think her name is Melanie Perkins. Hopefully I'm getting that right. But she like, she founded it when she was 18. What? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Legendary. Amazing story. I'm definitely going to listen to it. And that's actually a good podcast. How I built this really interesting with Guy Raz from NPR. Mm, um, the best storyteller yeah I find. He, is. He, he is epic um, i agree with what you said uh i think mm-hmm. one thing i would say is you know phones that have good cameras are they tend to be flagships pixels samsung top levels or iphones um the mics on these in my opinion are trash so mm-hmm. amazon you can get a shotgun i think you can get like a road usb-c shotgun for like 40 50 quid maybe um 
you know, I would, and again, I know captions and subtitles are something to talk about as well, but I would probably invest in a good mic. Um, but if you, in my opinion, if you're going to do YouTube, like I would always say, get a 400, 500 quid SLR, a Canon, whatever it is, um, because the quality, it, you know, it, it's professional camera for a reason. The quality is so much better. Uh, and when you come to edit, and I just think for the long term, it's better to have a camera like that, or at least have a videographer who can use a camera like that. But I also don't want to put people off starting. So, you know. Yes, yeah. this is this is the thing. I, I do agree with you. But again, when I work with clients, I always like, you don't need all of that to start because from experience and you've probably found this as well, people put it off. Like they'll spend Mm -hmm. months and months researching the camera when they could have filmed months and months of content because they're putting off the hard thing, which is actually doing the content. And they're putting off the uncomfortable thing, which is putting themselves out there. Now that's how humans work, right? We spend ages doing all the stuff that's easy and that we don't need to do to put off the harder stuff. So that's why it's my approach. It's like you invest in that when you've actually been consistent and you've proven to yourself that you're going to continue with this, right? Don't be one of those people that spends thousands of pounds on equipment and then like doesn't actually use it. Yeah. My approach. I know exactly what you mean. It's, you know, and for the, and, and I suppose moving on to that then, yeah, a lot of people get stuck. They just do a lot of, oh, you know, people aren't going to like me. I'm really boring on camera. I'm not good on it. All I hear is excuses, right? Um, (laughs) For you, what do you think, like for people who are stuck with, they just maybe don't know what to do or they don't know what action to take or what to create. Have you got some maybe logical steps or a process they can follow kind of when they're starting out to just get going and get into the rhythm of it? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're really looking to master social media and online content, which I think is just, it's something you should master in your business, just like finance and everything else is. I truly see it as another thing that, you know, modern day business owners need to master, particularly online (laughs) business owners. Um, Then it's something that you need to educate yourself on as with everything else. Like whether that's, for me, it was all through reading (laughs) books about like, consumer psychology, copywriting. Like I absolutely love that. And then I actually started working as a copywriter. So you really need to educate yourself and that can be through free content. It could be through like a paid program, like my program, whatever that is, it's just another skill in your business that you're going to have to master. So it's not going to happen magically. And like, if you feel like you are stuck, then really educating yourself is going to help. Just little things like, how to write better copy, um, you know, how to write your captions, how to just write for online. Writing online is very different to like print or anything like that. And it's just like another skill that needs to be learned in the modern age. Um, so definitely education at one point, it, and especially if you're feeling stuck, there's so much free content. So you really have like no excuse, um, but also just starting right? So like, don't put off starting the content because at the end of the day, it's that momentum that's going to like make you better. Um, This is just my personal approach, but I always use action as like the way to learn. And I know that once I take action, 
everything else kind of falls into place um, versus if you're trying to get it perfect before you start on social media, you, you know, that's not going to happen. Like you're never going to be perfect. And as with everything, like you're going to get better, the more content you put out um, and you're going to increase your reach. So I would say start sooner rather than later and then educate yourself um, so that you're getting better. And would you say that in terms of expectations, it's very easy to look at you, to look at me, look at other people and say, oh, they're doing really well on social media. They get X many likes, they get X much money raised. And people forget we've been doing it for years now. But would you say that when people start out, like how should they set their expectations? You know, the first 10 posts are going to be crap and get no likes. Or how, how should they be getting into it mentally? I think that, cool, you're good at these questions. I think um. <laughs> I think that's the reason I think that's a good question is because you touched upon the fact that it's all mental. And honestly, that is why, like I have my program because I am teaching, I mean, I think I'm teaching amazing things and I know they work, but fundamentally no program that you invest in is going to have like some brand new information that no one knows because that just doesn't exist. The value of working with um, an expert or a consultant or a coach is that if they're good, they're going to provide you with the transformation, not the information. You can get information anywhere. Um, it's providing you with the right information, but more importantly, the actual transformation and like holding you through that transformation. And with most things, it's all like a mindset thing. Um, so with social media, a big part of what I do is like actually working on the mindset around like why you're not showing up um, and all of that. So yeah, the one thing I would say going into it is, and I wish I'd done this sooner, is to completely, and again, you might disagree with me here, so let me know, is to actually abandon the idea of engagement. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think if you don't abandon it, I think people are going to be disappointed with their Mm -hmm. results. So whatever the reason that, that you're saying is, I think either way, people need to abandon it for the start because they're just not going to get it, right? So you can't really be expecting something that's not going to be there at the start, I don't think. Yes. And and the thing is, I used to be all about engagement. Like I used to, that's what I used to optimize my content for. And of course, you need to create engaging content that is going to, you know, spur people to action, whether that be engaging with the post or taking the next step towards working with you. But I was chasing those vanity metrics and that's what a lot of people do. Like it's just, it's, and they might not mean to, but that's the thing you can immediately measure. You put out a post and you look at how many comments it's got, how many likes it's got, how much reach it's got. And like, obviously you're aiming to improve that over time, but in the past I have not put pieces of content out because I have allowed myself to be controlled by the amount of engagement my content was getting. And recently it's just been so liberating and it's something that I'm working with my clients on as well is like, imagine if engagement wasn't a thing. Like imagine that you were just putting out this content without really looking at what, how people were reacting to it. What kind of content would you put out and how often would you put it out? And it's uh, that allows you to just be like free and to actually just create without 
inadvertently like optimizing that content for likes and followers and all of that. So I think that's even more important when you're starting out, because as you said, you're not going to get immediate engagement. It's going to take a while to pick up until you master it. So yes, like look at your analytics and keep an eye on what's working and what isn't working. But at the end of the day, your success, this is really important, your success as an online business owner, as an entrepreneur is not tied to your social media performance, right? So yep. the social media is just one part of your business and a hundred percent improve that, but your self-worth is not tied to that. Um, that's just what I would want to leave you with. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's also a mental health thing there with your self-worth is not tied to that. I think maybe not in property, but you know, a lot of younger people uh, and certain people definitely tie their self-worth to the internet. And I think the platform's, I'm not going to say they encourage it, but they definitely don't stop it because it makes some money. More people on the platform, more adverts. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, people definitely need to not tie those two together. And mm. when, you know, cause before, and we've both touched on this, like engaging content, um, is content like the most important thing on social media and branding? Mm. Content. I mean, Yes. <laughs> like the content is your content is a way for you to your your authenticity to shine, right? And for you to your personality to shine. Um it's the way that you brand yourself online. Um so yeah, if your content isn't good, it's just not getting your personality and your values across. Um but what do you think? Yeah, I think content is is everything you know they say content is king is king queen the whole bloody royal family's content because if you don't <laughs> have content and if it ain't good then who cares how good your coaching is because ain't nobody gonna get, get to that stage like or mm-hmm. who cares how much money you could raise or how epic your deals are when no one can see that no one can even again get to that stage so you know I'd love to know in your view and from your experience, because I know you you test things, you look at kind of the results and how they work and, the, you know, the engagement, whether that's metrics or kind of soft engagement for you. And I suppose maybe right now in November 2021, what is the and I suppose we're probably primarily talking about Instagram right now. Uh, what is the most engaging content that, or types of content that people can create right now? Oh, See, the thing is, I don't, I mean, there's not really, I'm not into following the trends, right, on social media. And that's probably quite unusual because social media is about trends. But like, you need to get the basics of good content right. And that can translate into whatever format is on trend, right? If you learn what good content is and how to spur people to take action, to buy from you, um, to engage with you in your content, then you can apply that to whatever platform is trending at the time. Um, like I really see it as like a lifelong um, thing. And it's not only on social media, it's everything you do online and the way you talk about your business. Um, content is a big part of that. Um, so just using like Instagram at the minute um, and the way things are, reels are, you know, being favored by the algorithm they're really being pushed out not as much as a few um months ago even like the reach has gone down um and if you were kind of starting out again you might take that personally but actually it's just normal 
Like it's a new feature that's now not so new and the reach is going to go down. Doesn't mean you're bad at content and that your content is crap. Um, but you know, just thinking about the principles of good content. So content that is shareable, that is educational, entertaining, um, content that converts. So, you know, actually creates demand for your service offering. Those, that type of content is not going to go out of fashion. Like you could put that into a reel easily. You could put that into a carousel post. You could put it in the next feature that Instagram is going to come out with. You can hop on stories and use, you know, content frameworks to touch upon all of those things when you're talking. So it's not really about trends. It's actually about learning how to leverage content um, and then just using that wherever you are, whether that's YouTube, TikTok even, on reels, or even if like you're just writing your website. Um, so yeah, I just, I do think content's really important, but not just in like, you know, the scope of Instagram. Definitely. And uh, platforms, people are always asking me, which platform should I use? Which one's hot? Which one's viral? And I know, Ooh. I know, I think I know which one's hot and viral, which is TikTok um, <laughs> and has been. Uh, are you on TikTok? Um. Yes. Well, I've recently just started it um, because I now have the capacity to do it. But I wanted to know, like, what is your answer usually to when people ask you that question? So my answer is this. Um, LinkedIn is a bit stuffy. People can be a bit boring and it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a bit of a junk platform because Microsoft own it and everything they do is junk. Uh, and then I'd, but I'd say, you know, finding investors, great platform. You can specifically search for this specific job and you know their salary and you can so professionally, I think it's really good. Um, you've got Instagram, which is a lot more relaxed, casual, nice, positive kind of community. Great for images and videos. Obviously, audio doesn't exist yet purely. Very, very visual, um, very much like vlogging and following yourself. Facebook is, but also Instagram is maybe a bit more of a younger generation. Facebook mm-hmm. is the middle. It's not corporate. It's not stuffy, but it is kind of... Um, it's not as sort of, I don't know what the word, playful as Instagram, for lack of a better word. It's not mm-hmm. as stuffy as LinkedIn. It's kind of in the middle and it supports all types of audio and all types of video and everything. Um, that's how I kind of say it with the top three. Um, YouTube is great. As you and I know from our conversations, it's super hard. Um, I would say that TikTok is great, super viral. Um, lots of angry kids on it, which are great to wind them up. Um, Trolls think, in the comments. A hundred percent. I think you'd be really good at TikTok because you you basically do it. You do reels. So that's why I was kind of asking you is because actually your content on TikTok would go even further just because of the nature of it. So that's how I answer it. I generally tend to advise property investors to use Facebook because if they're going to pick one, because it's a good middle ground. And if they're going to pick two, then maybe Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I normally say. I think, yeah, I think that's a great answer. And just to kind of add to that is it's, it is about, so my approach, and I, again, we're going to differ on this, but you've absolutely kind of gone against this point and <laughs> smashed it. So um, I may be wrong, but my personal approach and I, with business and everything is like to pick one thing and master it. And for me, like, that means one platform that I can master and then moving on to the next one. And that's what I've done with Instagram. And now I've started YouTube because actually like I have the capacity to do it and the spaciousness to actually create good content on there. So 
I think it's really important when you're starting out to think about like, firstly, where do you enjoy being? Like, if you really, really, really hate being on camera, like not just like most people don't like it, like really just cannot face it, then obviously YouTube isn't going to be a good idea. Equally, if you don't like having long in-depth chats, then maybe podcast isn't a good idea. And just really thinking about like, where are you going to thrive? And then what resources do you have? Because obviously, as you know, YouTube is like a huge time investment, monetary investment versus Instagram, Facebook, TikTok even. You can just start. Um, I would probably recommend to like someone just starting out to do shorter content. So, you know, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook um, versus something like YouTube, just because I think the impact you're going to get is a lot bigger um, relative to the time that you're going to invest, right? Yeah, 100%. And then let's kind of round off with maybe some of the, I know we've probably touched on some of these, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make and it could even be as little as using too many hashtags or something like that i just want to know from you what are you seeing and what are you maybe correcting with your clients Mm, yeah i think we've like really hopefully touched on them and it's not being themselves like thinking that they have to be someone else because that's when your content becomes meh and when you start hating showing up on social media because you're trying to put on this front so that's the first thing, like not really being authentic. And that's going to come with time for you to feel perfectly aligned. But just don't go in thinking that you have to be someone you're not. Like one of the worst pieces of advice I actually heard was um, in this YouTube container I'm in, um, someone had given this student feedback that the reason she wasn't growing on YouTube was because she had a frowny face. And I was like, that is the worst piece. Like, I'm sorry, that is the worst piece of feedback. Like, don't listen to that idiot because it's not about like, it's not about that. <laughs> like, no one really cares about your frowning face. Like, if someone does, then they're not going to be in your audience and fuck them, honestly. Mm. But like, it's not really about you <laughs> and you don't need to fix your frowning face or anything like that. You just need to be yourself. Um, So that's the first thing. Second mistake, as I said, is I think looking at your engagement too much and like really focusing on that and using it as a measure um, of your self-worth and and how well your business is doing. And I'd say the third biggest mistake is also like, yeah, putting, I guess, too much on social media. I think it's amazing, but I think it's not like the magic bullet. And I really don't like it when kind of social media experts sell it as that. I think it's an amazing place to start your business because low barrier to entry, you can get clients, you can test your ideas, you can build a community, but at some point, like you're going to need to look at other marketing or at least another platform. Um, So yeah, they're the three kind of big things to look out for before you start. I love it. And uh, apparently in your free time, you like to play with strangers' dogs. Uh, How's that going? I will continue to do that until I get my own dog to play with. (laughs) Um. Um, uh, Now a bit of a curveball, uh, which I probably didn't warn you about. Uh, If you could have dinner with any three people, 
dead or alive, who would it be? Why? And for me, probably most importantly, what are you going to be eating? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, the first person has to be Sarah Blakely. He's oh, like, yeah. why? Yeah. She's like my absolute <laughs> idol. Um, she is just like the epitome of female leadership. I remember I listened to her when I first started my business and I was like, oh my gosh, you can do things in a different way and be successful. Like she was just so different. And I think that's why she's, you know, people like adore her. Um, So that would be the first person. And I think with her, we'd be eating like French fries because she's obsessed with them Um, from her Instagram, which I'd be very happy with. Um, Who else? I think I would love to meet Melanie probably should know her name I think it's Melanie Perkins of Canva Mm. um just because her story is so inspiring so yeah definitely listen to it Tej um another female founder and the third person (laughs) would again be another female founder who is um the founder of Stitch Fix don't know if you've Mm. heard that company um but yeah again she just has an amazing story I remember listening to her podcast and she just like broke down in tears because of talking about how she built this billion dollar company when she had like young children and I just remember being like wow that is like insane and inspiring and the fact that she's actually spoken to how hard it is um is even better so yeah all female founders all alive these are just like people that I look up to um and yeah that's it I love it Three epic women. So yes. uh, before we uh, wrap this up, you have a few different free um, bits that I'm going to put links in to in the description. So everyone listening to this, if you just scroll down on your podcast app, uh, they will be hyperlinked below. Um, you know, do you want to just give a quick talk through of what they are? Yeah, of course. So I've literally put together four um, story frameworks and scripts for you guys that are listening that want to start on social media or want to land your first client um, from social media. So honestly, grab them. They're really good. Like they tell you step-by-step what to say on your stories um, in order to create demand for your one-to-one services and they're completely free. So yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, of course. So if you want kind of more longer in-depth um, advice and training, then head to YouTube, um, which is all about, you know, helping you start a coaching a- or consulting business. Um, but then if you want the bucket hat lols, <laughs> um, no, and more free content, then head to my Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Amazing. And uh, I would recommend, if possible, going on a walk with Ina, because when we did, we saw two things which we've never seen before, which one was a black squirrel, right? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, but when I say black, I mean it was like jet black, and these are like rare in England. So Ina obviously has some sort of, maybe it's a scent that the squirrels love. Um, and we saw two hares actually boxing each other in the middle of a field. Oh, this is epic. Um, I won't comment on your trespassing, uh, but uh, that, that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, Ina, thank you so much for coming on the Test Talks podcast. Oh, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure and you are a very skilled interviewer. So that makes it all the better. 
If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.